Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is April the 21st, 2023, and there you are, and here I am, and I thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Last week, if you remember, I wound up doing my show on Saturday because I had to tend to my taxes, Um, and it makes me remember uh, an interview I did with Neil Cavuto quite a few years back when uh, he caught me by surprise. I was sitting in front of the cameras with him, and he said to me, Mike Cutler, when will you be satisfied that our immigration laws are finally being enforced the way they should, to, the way they should be? Um, and I kind of spontaneously blurted out, I had a brain spasm, and I said, well, I guess that day will come when aliens present in the United States are as concerned or apprehensive about correspondence from the Department of Homeland Security as much as you or I would be if we got correspondence from the Internal Revenue Service. I mean, think about that. If you want to have your your heart stop or your blood pressure go up, just get some correspondence from the IRS. I promise you, you won't be happy, right? Probably not good news. And yet, Aliens in the United States do not face nearly the same level of scrutiny that American citizens face in our country by the Internal Revenue Service. And the immigration laws are about public safety and national security, and the IRS mission is to fund the insanity being foisted on us by politicians from both political parties. Truly incredible. And if you doubt the emphasis on taking the money from Americans, realize that the Democrats just voted to hire something like another 87,000 internal revenue employees, uh, close to doubling their already huge staff. And for the entire United States of America, we have 6,000 ICE agents. And most of the work they do, even under the best of circumstances, uh, isn't only about immigration. It's the way that George W. Bush created the Department of Homeland Surrender, as I came to call DHS. Think about it. Um, ICE doesn't only enforce uh, immigration law, but customs laws within ICE. You have ATF and Secret Service and the TSA, and the list goes on and on. ICE agents routinely do investigations into intellectual property theft and money laundering uh, and kitty porn. Uh, you name it, they do it. So what, whatever limited resources are then left over might be used for immigration. Might be. Probably not. And I remember back on May 5th, 20, I'm sorry, 2005, boy, that's a while back, uh, I testified at a hearing held by the Immigration Subcommittee in the House on the topic of the dual missions of the Immigration Service. And John Hostetler, the Republican chairman, uh, was furious because he understood, as did so many, that uh, immigration was pivotal uh, in terms of the attacks, not only of 9-11, but many other attacks that the 9-11 Commission explored. In fact, as you know, if you're familiar with me, I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. As an immigration agent, I've investigated and arrested international terrorists. 
immigration is about a lot more than people coming to go to school here, although that's a problem when you look at who we've been educating. Think of the Chinese who um, gained a lion's share of intellectual property from us, espionage and all sorts of stuff, so that they're now rattling sabers, that their engineers who were trained in our country uh, are being rattled against us and our allies. We are brilliant. You know, someone once said, the communists said that the capitalists will sell you the rope with which you will hang them. We've been having a fire sale on rope for quite some time. But going back to that hearing in May of 2005, John Hostetler um, complained bitterly about the way that the Bush administration cobbled together the DHS even after it became clear that it was failures of the immigration system that were primarily responsible for the ability of terrorists to enter the United States, embed themselves, that is to hide in plain sight, and then go about their deadly preparations. Here's the key uh, paragraph. Um, well, let, let me just read this, this small paragraph. I just want to set the stage, and then we're going to get into the hearing that was held this week by Jim Jordan's um, House Judiciary Committee. Failures to adhere to the statutory framework. Uh, one moment. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to back up. All right. This is, again, Hostel was saying this, talking about the way DHS was put together. At no time during the reorganization planning was it anticipated by the committee, meaning the House Judiciary Committee, that an immigration enforcement agency would share its role with other enforcement functions, such as the enforcement of customs laws. This simply results in the creation of dual or multiple missions that the act sought to avoid in the first place. Failures to adhere to the statutory framework established by the Homeland Security Act has produced immigration enforcement incoherence that undermines the immigration enforcement mission central to the DHS and therefore undermines the security of our nation's borders and our citizens. It is not certain on what basis it was determined that customs and agriculture enforcement should become part of the Immigration Enforcement Agency except to require federal agents at the border to have more, expert, more expertise and more functions. It is, it is also unknown on what basis the federal air marshals should become part of this agency, especially since it has been revealed that their policy is to not apprehend out-of-immigration status aliens when they're discovered on flights. If the mission of the Department of Homeland Security is to protect the homeland, it cannot, it cannot affect its mission by compromising or neglecting immigration enforcement for customs enforcement. And finally, he said, the 9-11 terrorists all came to the United States without weapons or contraband, and if customs enforcement would not have stopped 9-11 from happening. What might have foiled the Al-Qaeda plan was additional immigration focus, vetting, and enforcement. And also what is needed is the recognition that one, immigration is a very important national security issue that cannot take a backseat to customs or agriculture. Two, immigration is a very complex issue, and immigration enforcement agencies need experts in immigration enforcement. And three, the leadership of our immigration agencies should be shielded, huh, check this out, from political pressures to act in a way which could compromise the nation's security. Just wanted to go back to 2005 uh, to put things in perspective. You would believe, if you watched what we've been watching, um, 
that somehow this administration, and even if you go back to Bush and all these other nitwits, they really either didn't get it or didn't want to get it because the global agenda literally trumped national security and public safety. You look at all the people that are dying because of drugs flowing across the border, because of criminals coming into the country, because of terrorists accessing the United States, and you really have to wonder what in the world is going on. And all the Republicans want to talk about is the southern border. I've been writing article after article after article about how immigration is about far more than just the U.S.-Mexican border. We have a northern border. We have 95,000 miles of coastline. We have over 110 international airports scattered across the country. And most of the terrorists, at least 9-11 and even after that, came through international airports, not so much by running the borders. And yet time and time and time again, Congress now subpoenas Mayorkas, and they want to know whether or not the border is secure. And he says it's secure. And they say, well, no, the head of the Border Patrol, you know, disagrees. And they call him a liar. And they, they vent like crazy. And we've seen it in the Senate. We've seen it in the House. And Mayorkas just sits there glaring at them contemptuously. Now, I expected him to be every bit as bad as he is. Um, I'm disappointed that I was right. I don't like getting it right. But everyone knew that this guy could not care less about border security. In fact, hates border security, hates immigration law enforcement. You know, I, I've jokingly said that putting Mayorkas in charge of DHS is kind of like making the chief of the fire department uh, or, or, or picking the chief of the fire department because he's an arsonist. This guy has set fire to the entire immigration system, and yet all that the Republicans want to have us focus on is the Mexican border. The Mexican border. It's astonishing. Why in the world aren't they going back to the other elements of the immigration system that are also failing and have been melted down by this administration and by his supposed, quote-unquote, leadership? It takes my breath away. If you look at what the 9-11 Commission warned about, they, they made it very, very clear. Uh, in fact, let me read a, a quote. This is from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. This document, this report, was authored by the federal agents and attorneys who were assigned to work with and for the 9-11 Commission. The report was published by the U.S. government printing office. I make that point because I want you to understand this is an official government report. And it's the companion document to the 9-11 Commission report. So let me read this paragraph. Once terrorists that entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residency under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, this is the, 97, uh, the 93 bombing, by the way, that we're, they're referencing here. That paragraph is about the 93 bombing of the Trade Center that killed six, injured over 1,000, inflicted a half billion dollars in damages, almost brought the tower down sideways, which was the terrorist's goal, because when questioned, they stated their goal was to kill a couple hundred thousand people, and the engineers who worked the case actually agree that if the tower had come down sideways, hundreds of thousands might have died. The seawall would have ruptured. 
lower Manhattan would have been flooded from the Hudson River. It might still be underwater. And they almost pulled it off. In fact, some engineers believe that if they had filled the truck to the top that had the explosives with more explosives, it might have happened. Or it might have happened had they parked the truck on the opposite wall of the garage, against the opposite wall. We got lucky as bad as it was. And, you know, as I like to say, hope is not a strategy, and therefore luck is not a success, right? Dumb luck is not a success. But you would think this would have been the wake-up call. Let me continue on. Mohammed Mahmoud Abu Alim involved the World Trade Center and landmark plots to see temporary residents into the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the agriculture worker program but was rejected. Ayad, oh darn, my computer just hiccuped. Don't you love when your computer does that? Um, bear with me one moment. I don't know how I did that. Okay. Here we are. Forgive me for that uh, little hiccup. Uh, I used to have a sign on the wall of my office at work, to air is human, to really screw up, you need a computer. Okay. Um, okay. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck using the bombing overstate his tourist visa, he then applied for permanent residency under the agriculture worker program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmail Ishmael, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, and after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. So in other words, the guy that rented the truck was an illegal alien, and the guy who drove the truck containing the bomb was an illegal alien, and now you have sanctuary states around the country giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens whose identities can't be verified. That's why we call them undocumented. We have no idea who the hell they are in many cases. So we spend a ton of money on, on bomb barricades, right? The, the grates that pop out of the sidewalk and these big concrete you know, monstrosities in front of buildings to protect against car bombs and truck bombs if we have no idea who's behind the wheel of the vehicles. And as we saw in lower Manhattan just a few years ago, a terrorist rented a truck and used the truck to mow down eight tourists on the West Side Highway. We've seen this around the world, motor vehicles being used as the conveyance of choice by terrorists, not airplanes cars and trucks they use them to deliver the bomb they use them as a weapon they use them to conduct clandestine meetings and surveillance um, and yet we're giving out driver's licenses faster than you could imagine and mostly it's the same politician to give driver's licenses to people whose identities can't be verified who want to disarm americans lovely you can't make this up and and if there's still any doubt about the necessity of interior enforcement and why in the world Congress doesn't hammer Mayorkas for this is beyond me because that's also part of DHS, okay? They say this, although there's evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at international airports. And in so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases and on government corruption. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here, primarily by committing um, serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, and by marrying Americans. 
many of these tactics have remained largely unchanged and undetected through the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. So understand, people lying on their applications for immigration benefits. United States Citizenship and Immigration Services is the agency that adjudicates the applications. They also answer to Mayorkas. And we're going to get into what Mayorkas did when he ran that agency for Obama. But let me also point out the next paragraph in that passage from that report. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. Now, understand that. A lack of interior enforcement enabled the terrorists to embed themselves in the United States. And it goes on and says, this would remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terror travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. Then there was a paragraph about exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. And that brings us back to the southern border, the northern border, and all the other elements of border security that are non-functional under this administration. And finally, this is really important, on page 98 of that report, Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists, terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Why in the world the Republicans aren't reading this into the congressional record in the House and Senate and turning to Mayorkas and say, okay, what are you doing to uncover fraud in the applications for asylum? By the way, you know how the report said that their goal was to get to the interior and wait for their application to be adjudicated? Do you know when the applications are coming up for adjudication in New York now if there's a court date for the aliens? You're not going to believe it. It's 10 years so even if an immigration agent encountered these people, there's no way to take them into custody because their date has not yet come up. Of course, when the date comes and goes and they fail to show up, <clears throat> they would be subject to arrest, but that's 10 years from now. And very few terrorists need to embed themselves for 10 years of sleeper agents, maybe three or four years, not 10 years. So the overwhelmed immigration system is enabling America's enemies to have a field day in this country by the millions, by the millions. And it only took 19 terrorists to carry out the attacks of 9-11. Yet all that you're hearing from the Congress with Mayorkas, they talk about the kids that are in indentured servitude, 9, 10, 11-year-old kids some kids being forced into sex trafficking, some working in factories and deadly dangerous jobs, all atrocities. No argument from me. I agree. As far as I'm concerned, Mayorkas is committing criminal acts on a daily basis. He's not above the law. We keep hearing from the politicians about Trump, not above the law, not above the law. Well, where is Mayorkas complying with the law? 
And so the Republicans put together a bill on border security and everyone's saying, look at that, terrific. Not terrific. You know why it's not terrific? It has no chance of passage. It has no chance of passage. You think it's going to pass the Senate? And if it got through the Senate, and I can't imagine that it would, do you think that Biden is going to sign it? So it's, it's a nice exercise. Here we are. You know, it's a position paper. It's a fundraising mechanism. Look what we stand for. I'm not even sure all the measures that are in the bill. And that's the other tricky thing about political bills and legislation. They always cobble together 15 different items. It's like going into a car showroom and saying to the salesman, I'd like a new car. And he shows you a car and he says, do you want it? And you say, yeah. And you negotiate a price. And then he says, oh, and by the way, you have to buy three pairs of tennis sneakers, four white shirts, a dozen eggs, and a quart of milk. Well, what does that have to do with a car? Absolutely nothing, but that's how we do business. That's what Congress does. I didn't agree with Reagan on a bunch of things, but he was right about the line-item veto. They cobble everything together, so if you really want that car, you're going home with groceries and clothing. Really? What does that have to do with a car? Nothing. The politicians of this country are con artists, and I don't care if they're with the hopping kangaroo party. It doesn't matter. But you would think that we could get away from the southern border fascination. Again, I I don't want to minimize the southern border. That border keeps me awake at night. We know that there are terror training camps in the tri-border region of Brazil. We know that there are Chinese and other individuals pouring into the United States um, through the Darien Gap, okay? We, We know that they're coming here. But what happens when they get here? There is no interior enforcement. That is Mayorkas also, because ICE is under his command. They adjudicate applications for all sorts of immigration benefits, this whole thing. They'll apply for asylum. They're going to look for green cards and U.S. passports. Okay. Why are they not asking him about that process and how many fraud investigations have been conducted to weed out possible fraud and applications to citizenship, asylum, and and lawful status? And, And so not a word, not a word. Why? Is it that they're too stupid and don't understand? Or is it that they really want to try to foist something on us down the road called comprehensive immigration reform? Because for the life of me, I cannot figure out what in the world their ultimate goal is. That, I mean, that is really a huge, huge problem, okay? So let, let's be crystal clear about that. And then if you look at what happened with Mayorkas when he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services for the... Uh, um, Obama administration, he was investigated by the Office of Inspector General, and it was determined that in point of fact, he was guilty of malfeasance. Guilty of malfeasance. Pull that together and then say, okay, what in the world are you doing? What are you doing to protect us? We've been warned that because of what's going on in Afghanistan right now, because of the way that we left Afghanistan, that the Taliban and ISIS are reconstituting themselves. There was a, 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 a hearing about how the money has been appropriated to supposedly rebuild Afghanistan, and folks at the State Department couldn't guarantee that money that they've been taking by the millions or billions, God knows the numbers go through the roof, that some of that money has allegedly gone to the Taliban, our enemy. And the officials from this administration could not say whether or not 
they knew if money was going to the Taliban, and if so, how much was going to the Taliban. We're setting ourselves up for the next series of terrorist attacks. So you would think that it would make sense. Not so much to confront Mayorkas, because that's pointless. You may as well confront a fire hydrant. He does not care. He has nothing but contempt for America and Americans and the Congress. He is an arrogant twerp. Okay? It's pointless. You can't get a rise out of him, and getting a rise out of him shouldn't be the issue. The issue for Congress should be to wake Americans up to the dangers we face because of the corruption and ineptitude of this administration. That should be the goal. And they should look at the background of Alejandro Mayorkas. I wrote an article back on December 7, 2020. I, I, I urge you to check it out. Front page magazine, Biden's DHS, the Department of Homeland Surrender. And I wrote that article when it was announced that Mayorkas was going to be his pick to head up Homeland Security. And, you know, I compare citizenship and immigration services to America's locksmith. You know how you get past the border? You know, everyone has the, the, the glib answer, right? If you put up a 20-foot wall, they'll come with a 25-foot ladder. It's hard to carry around a 25-foot ladder. It doesn't really fit in your pocket. It's hard to put it in the trunk of your car. I have something better you can put in someone's pocket, a green card, a U.S. passport. Guess who issues? The citizenship certificate. Guess who issues the green cards? Mr. Mayorkas. So now, I wrote this article about what he had done over at Citizenship and Immigration Services. This is the stuff of nightmares. How in the world he wasn't prosecuted for what he did is beyond me. And then when he was nominated to head up Homeland Security, the Republicans, to their credit, called out his background. And the Democrats said, we don't care. Now, I worked closely with the Democrats after 9-11. I testified twice for Sheila Jackson Lee. The Democrats and the Republicans would frequently invite me to have lunch with them when I was at the Capitol so that we could sit down and figure out how to protect America from the next attack. Then everybody was focused on how do we connect the dots. What do we need to do? We don't want another 9-11. Now, apparently, American lives are very cheap. 100,000 Americans die of drug poisoning, and what are the liberal, they're not liberal, forgive me, the lunatic left. I'm a liberal. I'm a lifelong Democrat. These people aren't Democrats. They're anything but liberal. Liberals celebrate the First Amendment. I was raised as a child, as I raised my kids, to understand that in America, the First Amendment guarantees you absolute rights to freedom of speech and therefore freedom of thought. The only exception, obviously, you don't yell fire in a crowd. You don't yell fire in a crowd at the theater unless there's a fire, and you don't advocate riots. Okay, uh, like uh, some of these lunatic lefts have done. You know, get in their face, meaning the Trump administration, inciting riots. But that wasn't an insurrection. It's all one-sided. I mean, this is insanity. We've never seen politicians that were this inept and this corrupt. I have to tell you, Maxine Waters. If they're in the gas station, if they're in a restaurant, get in their face. Is that what America has come to? Apparently it has. Apparently it has. So the idea is when the Yorkers was running Citizenship and Immigration Services, he did a bunch of things that required an investigation by the Office of Inspector General. 
Senator Chuck Grassley, who, by the way, invited me to testify at my very last hearing. It was a hearing held by the, by the Senate Judiciary Committee in 2013, called him out on this. Let me, let me read a little bit of this to you. On December 20th, 2013, a website known as thewatchdog.com published a report, Grassley rips DHS nominee Mayorkas and his EV-5 visa program. The EV-5 visa is what they call an investor visa. You invest $500,000 and you get a green card. And we knew it was being used by some very nefarious people, okay? And the report begins saying this. Washington, D.C. is Democrats in the filibuster-free U.S. Senate fill key administration vacancies. U.S. Senator Charles Grassley, Republican from Iowa, assailed the Department of Homeland Security nominee for playing a key role in aiding Terry McAuliffe's electric car company to raise funds through a visa investor program. Quote, whistleblowers have provided my office with very troubling evidence. Much of the evidence involves the EB-5 Regional Center Program, which U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Director Alejandro Mayorga is responsible for managing. So said Chuck Grassley, the top Republican of the House Judiciary Committee, which oversees immigration issues. Quote, the evidence appears to support allegations that Mr. Mayorkas and his leadership team at Citizenship and Immigration Services are susceptible to political pressure and favoritism. Grassley said documents appear to show Mayorkas intervening in an EB-5 decision involving Gulf Coast Funds Management, an organization run by Hillary Clinton's brother, Anthony Rodham. And then um, in 2015, prompted by serious complaints from many USCIS employees, the Office of Inspector General conducted an investigation into allegations of malfeasance committed by Mayorkas when he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services. March 24, 2015, a report of the findings of the investigation by the Office of the Inspector General was released. The focus was on how applications for a particular visa category, the EB-5 visa, for aliens who invest between 500000 and a million in businesses that creates jobs for Americans in the United States, were wrongly approved. ABC News published, in fact, several in-depth articles about the troubling findings of the Office of Inspector General. On March 24, 2015, ABC News reported, top Homeland official Alejandro Mayorkas accused of political favoritism. Alejandro Mayorkas oversaw the controversial $500,000 visa program. Now, here's another one. Now, this is even more disturbing. ABC News reported February 3, 2015, whistleblowers, Quote, U.S. gave visas to suspected forgers, fraudsters, and criminals. Internal documents show feds ignoring warnings from the FBI. And this report began by stating the following. Officials overseeing the federal program that offers an immigration shortcut to wealthy foreign investors have ignored pointed warnings from federal agents that approved visas for some immigrants suspected of having committed fraud, money laundering, and even one applicant with alleged ties to child porn websites, an ABC News investigation has found. The shortcomings prompted concerns within the Department of Homeland Security that the boutique immigration program could be and would be exploited by terrorists, according to internal documents obtained by ABC News. Quote, it is shocking, said Senator Charles Grassley, particularly when you have the FBI and other law enforcement agencies that are saying that national security could be compromised or is being compromised, and that's enough for us to be concerned. And then uh, here is another report. Feds investigating Iran ties to firm involved in the U.S. visa program. Iranian operatives may be abusing this program to infiltrate the United States. Federal agents in the Los Angeles office are investigating an L.A. shipping firm and its Iranian-born owner 
who for years have participated in and promoted an obscure U.S. immigration program, allowing the company to recruit wealthy foreign investors to receive visas and potentially green card law enforcement officers, told ABC News. The company's name surfaced in a confidential Department of Homeland Security uh, document, which raised concerns that this particular visa program may be abused by Iranian operatives to infiltrate the United States. And yet all we're hearing about is the southern border, the southern border, the southern border. Are the Republicans serious about making certain the immigration system really has integrity, or is this simply a political game because they also want open borders? And I believe they want open borders. And that's why you have some of these Republicans saying we need an immigration system that's merit-based. No, we need an immigration system that prioritizes the well-being of Americans. Merit-based means let's hire lots of high-tech foreign workers so we can screw Americans out of their jobs and at the very least diminish their wages. That was what Alan Greenspan testified about back in 2009 when he testified for Chuck Schumer. Both parties are in agreement. Immigration is the key to the wealth of the super wealthy and basically the destruction of wages for hardworking Americans. The Republicans are being greedy without any consideration for where it leads America, and I believe that the Democrat goal is to destroy the middle class to make everybody reliant on the federal government so they can have a stranglehold on Americans. That's what this is about. Is Mayorkas wrong about the southern border? Of course he is. That's not an argument. But how many more times can we have this, this charade play out? They spank him, he glares at them, and it goes on. How about getting into what they're doing to give green cards and citizenship to people who shouldn't be here, who pose a threat to our safety? And then we get to the story uh, about the hearing that was just held in, in Manhattan um, by Jim Jordan. Now, this is kind of interesting for me because his concern, and I get it, is that all the resources that um, Bragg, the attorney, the um, Manhattan district attorney being used to go after Trump, are not being used to go after violent criminals. And this isn't about Donald Trump. And, and of course, the Republicans uh, want to, you know, deal with it that way because, you know, when, when you're a hammer, everything is a nail and politicians do politics. That's, that's their life, getting votes and getting campaign contributions. It's not our lives, but that's how they see the universe, okay? So, we have a super bad crime problem in New York and elsewhere around the country. And it's justifiable for the justice or the judiciary hearing to be concerned about crime in America. You know, all law enforcement, just like all politics, is local, but there is a federal element to it, especially when the federal government provides funding for law enforcement in cities and states across the United States. It's a fair question. And the Democrats are going crazy. The, the, the Judiciary Committee has no business looking into a local prosecutor's office. Well, tell you what. On February 27, 2003, there was a hearing conducted by the Immigration Subcommittee, not in New York, but in Washington at the Rayburn House office building. And the topic of the hearing was New York City's sanctuary policy and the effect of such policies on public safety law enforcement, and immigration. And you won't believe what the predication for that hearing was. We have gotten numb, numb, with all these stories about shootings and murder and death by drugs and, and the insanity 
this dysfunctional country that we now live in. Uh, It's really incredible. And it all started when people were were all excited when they could say that a new company was disruptive. Our country has been disrupted by the lunatics, okay? Everything has been disrupted. We can't even describe what a woman is. I mean, really and truly. That's how disrupted everything is. This is madness. So the carnage just off the scales. 100,000 die of drug overdoses, and everybody yawns, and all you hear are crickets. But back in 2003, there was a case in New York, and there are certain cases that, for whatever reason, catch the public eye. It happened with Kate Steinle, that attractive young lady who was gunned down in San Francisco by Fisherman's Wharf, if you remember that story, by an illegal alien. Years ago in New York, there was a young woman by the name of Kitty Genevieve. She was a waitress coming home late from work, was assaulted in the, I think it was the courtyard of her apartment building, and for a couple of hours she shrieked and screamed and sobbed and pleaded and begged for a couple hours, as I recall, and nobody called the police. She was found dead. And when the police went door-to-door knocking on doors, they asked the residents, Did you hear the screams? Yes, I did. How long were they going on? Oh, it was terrible for hours. And what did you do about it? Nothing. Why? I figured somebody else would make the call. Everybody else expected someone else to make the call. And her case became one of notoriety of of what's wrong in society. We're all responsible for each other's well-being. We really are. So here's a young woman shrieking, screaming, and sobbing, and no one lifted a finger to pick up a phone. All that someone had to do is call 911. There's a woman being attacked in the back of my building. The cops would have been there. She would have been alive. Nobody lifted a finger. Unbelievable. John Hostetler, who was one of my favorite um, people in Congress, I did a bunch of hearings for John, and we worked together closely on the issues held this hearing, and this was the reason, this is what he had to say. On December 19, 2002, a 42-year-old mother of two was abducted and forced by her assailants into a hideout near some railway tracks in Queens, New York. She was brutally assaulted before being rescued by a New York City police canine unit. The NYPD arrested five aliens and connected with that assault according to records that the Judiciary Committee has received from the INS. Four of those aliens entered the United States illegally. Three of those four had extensive arrest histories in New York City. The fifth alien, a lawful permanent resident, also had a criminal history prior to the December 19, 2002 attack. And everybody was infuriated that the NYPD did nothing to notify the INS that these aliens had been in jail, that they were criminals, and that they posed a threat to public safety. Thankfully, the woman survived. But the fact that she was assaulted brutally, terribly, infuriated everybody. We have become numb to the bloodshed. We've become numb to death. We've become numb to the craziness. We shrug our shoulders and say, oh, it happened again. How many of you are dead this time? Oh, oh, too bad. Oh, well, what are you going to have for dinner? That's what we've become. We've become hardened. We've lost our soul as a country. We've lost our moral compass. We have criminals and lunatics running this government. 
people who are incompetent on a galactic scale who don't give a rat's tail about anybody's life except their own. I bet they don't even care about their own children. Speed bumps to what they want. I asked one woman who was the chief counsel to one of the members of Congress. I said, don't these politicians understand that when criminals run loose, they're endangering their own families, their own children, their own grandchildren? And this young lady said to me, and she's since left Washington, she said, there's nothing but evil people to be found in Washington. That's why I don't call it a swamp. I call it a cesspool. She said, do you realize that probably half of these people, meaning the members of Congress, have boyfriends, girlfriends, its friends, whatever, and if their families were killed, they would just move in with whoever it is they've been having relations. They don't care. All they care about are themselves. That's all they care about. They don't care about anything. They have no principles. They have no morality. It's about getting campaign contributions, getting votes, winning elections, and getting into powerful committees. That's what it's about. Terrible perspective, but I think she's probably right. And every year it gets worse and worse and worse. After 9-11, everyone pulled together. We were one country. Now, look where we are. And I blame we the people. We've allowed this to happen. We've allowed these politicians to run roughshod over us. They're our damn employees. One woman got attacked and there was a congressional hearing and nobody said, what are they doing looking into New York? Everyone said, well, of course they're upset. This woman was badly injured. It shouldn't have happened. Both sides said that. I testified at that hearing. And it's funny, if you look at the hearing, somehow they got my middle initial wrong. My middle initial was W. They had me down as Michael J. Cutler, which I thought was kind of funny. But I testified at that hearing. I sat next to the representative from uh, New York City law enforcement at that hearing. And there was great consternation that this could happen to a woman, a woman. Look at the carnage now, and it's like a number. Stalin said that a million deaths is a statistic, but one death is a tragedy. For the most part, I don't believe these politicians really care about any American. They wouldn't be looking to bring in an army of foreign workers to displace American workers. They'd be looking to build up American kids to give them every opportunity to write the next success story. That's what they should be doing. That's what Eisenhower did after Sputnik was launched, making certain that every American kid would get a solid education in math and science. Not who do we call Ted Cruz, right? We need to bring in the world's best and brightest. Hey, Ted, there's a name for the world's best and brightest. We used to call them Americans. But that's all that we're seeing now. What do we have to do to placate big business and the special interest groups, the immigration lawyers, the religious groups that get paid to bring in the aliens? They call them migrants. I call them clients. They're clients for immigration law firms. They're clients for NGOs, non-government organizations that laughably, laughably, hysterically are referred to as nonprofits. If you've got a couple of hundred million dollars in contracts and you're still a nonprofit, you need to fire the people that are running your company. Nonprofit, my butt. Nonprofits. And then we come to find out that two men were arrested, and the, the Justice Department um, issued a uh, press release. These two guys, New York residents, were running a so called Chinese police station in Lower Manhattan. And why did they do it? To intimidate Chinese citizens in the United States. If you dig back a bit further, around 2015 or so, 
China was looking to buy a television broadcast station in Mexico to beam propaganda into the United States, kind of like what we used to do with Radio Free Europe. But here, this is about intimidating Chinese citizens in the United States to keep them in line. Now, let's add to that the influx of massive numbers of Chinese young men. And what China does is an espionage program that some have referred to as a thousand grains of sand. And the idea behind the thousand grains of sand is they won't tell one of their people, get us the blueprint for the F-22 fighter. That's not going to work. What they do is they allow their people to come here to be students, to learn how to program computers so they can hack our computers, to be engineers and work on the aerospace programs and so forth. And then if they're enrolled in a school, they are eligible for what's known as optional practical training. So during the summer, instead of going to school, they could work for a company. And frequently the companies they look to work for have military contracts, which gives them an opportunity to commit espionage. So let's say some guy gets a, 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 a part-time job, optional practical training for company X that makes radar equipment for the fighter plane. So his mission, and he has to accept it if he wants to see his family again, this isn't mission impossible, this is mission you damn well better do it, is told, get us the schematic for the radar unit. And he does. And unbeknownst to him, there's, there's 15 other people working at that factory and they're told, well, Get us the avionics package. Get us the, the um, hydraulic pump diagram so we know how they work their control surfaces and so forth. It's like a big jigsaw puzzle. So everybody brings back to China one piece of that airplane. And if you have a couple thousand people, they have a couple thousand pieces, and they piece it together like a big Lego set, a thousand grains of sand. So... The idea to the police stations is not only that these people from China aren't going to speak ill of China because they're concerned about dissidents and public affairs and public relations and what their public image is, but they're also concerned to get their people to bring back intel that they could use to build their military. And boy, have they built their military. They now have more naval vessels than the United States does, and it's growing rapidly. They're putting aircraft carriers to sea and so forth. They're building high-tech weaponry, um, hypersonic drones, you name it, they're building it, and all based on U.S. technology that they stole from us. Trump was trying to stop this. Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education, went after the fact that China, Saudi Arabia, and a couple of other countries had pumped billions of unreported dollars onto American campuses to get their kids in, to alter the curriculum, to make decisions about who would teach the curriculum. Money talks. And we're talking billions of dollars. That's another reason I suspected lots of people didn't like Donald Trump. Now, I'm not, you know, there, there are things Trump did that I didn't like, okay? There's, I don't know anybody that I agree with completely. But he was going after this issue of China, currency manipulation, espionage, and so forth. I did my first article about China around 2015, I believe it was. And everyone's late to the party. Late to the party. So now you have all these people coming in. China's rattling its saber, threatening to go into Taiwan, something that I had said 20 years ago was likely to happen. Who's to say that Chinese men flowing through the Darien Gap and coming through international airports and coming across from Canada and stowing away on ships, not just the southern border, I'm going to keep making that point until I'm blue in the face, 
What if they're told that they have to commit acts of sabotage if they want to see their sister or their mother or their father? Desperate people will do desperate things. And they've been able to use that leverage of having their people in our country knocking on their doors and threatening them and telling them they need to go back to China or their families will be imprisoned. They don't have the constitutional rights that we're supposed to have. I say supposed to have because I'm watching at the crazy stuff going on with our own government and, and what the Republicans refer to the weaponization of our government. And I have to tell you, it gives me great cause for pause. I sometimes think our politicians are envious of the Chinese rulers because they want to be able to rule with an iron fist too. These are probably people that, that couldn't get a date or get invited to a birthday party when they were kids. So now that they're in the position to, to wield a bit of power, they're, they're drunk with power. Gracious, what a collection of flotsam and jetsam we have in public life. But I really see a real threat that if there is a conflict with China, they could be calling their many people in our country to action as saboteurs. The Germans did it in this country at the beginning of the Second World War. That was when the Immigration Service was moved from the Labor Department to the Justice Department because it was quickly recognized that immigration was nothing less than national security. Supposedly, that's why DHS was created, to, to put all this enforcement effort under one roof. And, of course, Bush, being the globalist, undermined the whole program to everyone's horror including the Republicans. Again, I will add, both the Democrats and Republicans were shocked. George W., America's answer to Alfred E. Newman. Goodness gracious. But please understand the threats that we're facing. And many of these threats center on failures of the immigration system. And yet all the politicians can do is ask Mayorkas about the southern border. If you want to talk about a Johnny One note, it takes my breath away. We know that Mayorkas ordered his people to approve petitions for visas even when the people were suspected of involvement with terrorist groups, even when statutorily they were ineligible for the benefits. And the way he explained it was, you better, you better approve the petition. And I read to you sections of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel about how this runs contrary to the findings of the 9-11 Commission. Why was this not raised at these hearings? Why won't they raise these issues at those hearings? I'm still trying to figure it out. Are the Republicans that stupid or that inept or that corrupt? Because clearly this is a major issue. And the business about the police stations is nothing new, but everyone's all jumping up and down and saying, oh, my God, look what's happening. So let's look at an article that I wrote. This is September 25th, 2020, about two and a half years ago. NYPD officer arrested for spying for China. So here's a guy who comes to the United States, gets asylum, conceals the fact that he was working for Chinese intelligence, gets a job as a police officer, gets into the military reserves, and as a police officer in Queens, where we have a huge Asian population, guess what he does? Somehow... He finagles his way in to be the community relations officer for a Chinese community with the NYPD. And what was he doing? Intimidating citizens of China, allegedly, and recruiting additional potential spies. This was within the Tibetan community, within the Tibetan community here in the United States. The notion of sovereignty should prevent this madness. People come to America seeking freedom, trying to get away from the thugs and the corruption. 
And increasingly, when they come here, they're finding that the same people who scared the hell out of them in their home country are here now because we have no border. We have a corrupt immigration system that has no more integrity than the politicians who run it. The lack of integrity of the immigration system, quite frankly, reflects the lack of integrity of our politicians. And then we hear this rah, rah, America first, America first. Well, I don't want to hear America first. I want to hear Americans first. We, the people first. Because America first means the banks, the insurance companies, the major corporations that get bailouts, that get corporate welfare, that get an army of cheap, exploitable workers at all levels. That's what America first now means to Mike Cutler. I want to see a policy of Americans first, a policy that protects our lives, our freedoms, and our livelihoods, our jobs and wages. The immigration system used to be run by the Labor Department. The notion that Roosevelt had was that, especially with the Depression ongoing, that no American worker should have to compete with a foreign worker for a job. Every American should be able to get a job if it was possible, and we shouldn't be competing with foreign workers who would work for subprime wages under substandard conditions. And the solution was enforce the immigration laws and make certain that only people authorized to work in the United States would work in the United States. And now you're hearing from the Republicans, we need 87,000 Border Patrol agents. But I'd like to see your 87,000 ICE agents. And I'd like to see the head of ICE. And I'd like to see the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services subpoenaed and see what they have to say. And maybe they'll surprise us and tell the truth the way the chief of the Border Patrol will, or maybe they won't. But let's get them on paper under oath so that we know who's who, what's what, and what they're doing, not for us, but to us. We are living in a particularly perilous era, and the ineptitude and the policies of this administration have convinced America's worst adversaries that America is a pushover, that where America is concerned, we fold like a cheap suit. Just as Biden is lucky that he's still vertical, as adled as he appears, that's how America appears to the enemies of our country. That has to change. That has to change. I may have disagreed with Reagan about his immigration policies and some other stuff, but one thing he said was right. Ronald Reagan very wisely observed that freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. All these nitwits that are running around thinking that the idea of protecting the country is wrong, well, they better contemplate what would happen if, God forbid, America fell and they would find themselves under Chinese rule. Do you think China would put up with their foolishness? That's one hell of a disciplined society where everybody marches lockstep or else. And I promise you, in China, they don't give their citizens comfort puppies or safe spaces. The only safe spaces this country can have is under the protection of our military and our law enforcement offices. And they should be blessing those guys every day instead of cursing them. We're living, as I say, in a very perilous era. And it's astonishing to me to think back to that hearing in 2003 about how the attack of one woman led to a congressional hearing, and we now have mass carnage across the country. And when the Republicans hold a hearing about violent crime, 
the Democrats are opposed? I guess we have to rename the Democrat Party the Deathocrat Party. I wonder how much money they're getting for their campaigns from the funeral industry, because sure as hell, the funeral industry is doing record business with all these insane policies. At some point, we the people need to stand up and hold the politicians accountable. We need to sit down with our neighbors and have heart-to-heart conversations. And no insults, none of this garbage about the, you know, the, the, the libertards and all that other crap. We're Americans. So even when we disagree, and that's our constitutionally guaranteed right, we should see more common ground than more uh, despair, uh, despair uh, ideas. Most Americans want the same things for themselves and their families. They want to live in a secure, successful nation where anybody willing to work hard and benefit from a little bit of luck can write the next great American success story. We've certainly come a long way from that idea about what we the people really means. Abraham Lincoln talked of a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I truly think he would be appalled beyond words if he saw where we are today, as would other great leaders like JFK, Harry Truman, uh, of course, Dwight Eisenhower, one of my all-time favorite presidents. Both sides of the aisle would be shocked, would be shocked. Again, my, my point to you is we've got to stand together. Just like those neighbors who failed to call out and, and get the police when that young woman, Kitty Genovese, was being killed, we need to get our voices heard. We need to make certain that the politicians come to find out that we're not the fools they've been playing us for. And that's why I always like to make that point that democracy is not a spectator sport. People will treat us the way we permit them to treat us. That was a lesson my father taught me. And far too often, Americans are afraid of being called names. I've had people say that to me. Aren't you afraid they're going to say you're a xenophobe? Of course I'm not a xenophobe. And if you want to make that accusation, go for it. Knock yourself out. I know who I am. I also know who they are. We, the Americans, also need to be as steadfast in our approach to those false accusations. This is about protecting American lives and American jobs and providing a bright future for our children and a bright future for our grandchildren. If we don't step up to the plate, there may be no plate to step up to. We're in a pivotal time, folks. Please get involved. Clock is ticking and time is not on our side. I thank you very much for joining me this evening. I, I hope that my program is thought-provoking. Um, I hope you understand um, my perspectives and, and why I feel so passionate about it. Having lived through 9-11 and having seen the politicians pounding the podium to demand why no one connected the dots and then to watch what is now transpiring, Policies and actions that fly in the face of the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, by the way, um, are worrying and infuriating. We've got to stand up. We've got to be heard. And as I said before, I'll say it again, democracy is not a spectator sport. Look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Take care.